At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Coming up on episode 232 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the 2022 Ford Explorer Timberline, the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing, the Subaru Outback Wilderness, and Infiniti QX60, Ford's new e-transit, and the Kia EV6. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode uh, 232 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuol-Samet from Guidehouse Insights. Uh, I'm Nicole Wakelin from, um, oh, what should I go with? I was going to say a new one, and now I can't remember what new one I was going to say. Wow, we're spot on today. I'm just going to go with Forbes Wheels, because that's what popped into my head. <laughs> and Robbie is laughing at me, which isn't helping me at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm just Roberto. Nicole Wakelin. That's it. That's it today. <laughs> I, I'm Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. Look at that. I'm on the ball today. Go, Robbie. <laughs> I'm drinking tea. I'm going through puberty, apparently. <laughs> I have some tea, too. I, ha- I don't have any tea. Sorry. I feel left out. Uh, oh, well. What are we talking about? Cars? Uh, yeah. Cars. <laughs> tea. What? <laughs> Since we missed you last week, Nicole, why yes. don't you go first? Okay. So first, we'll talk about the car that I had the week that we missed. Um, when I was actually off in Disney Road with Rebecca, our dear departed host from here. Uh, she's we not, away wait, from, wait. Okay. She's just not here. She's still alive. Well, she's yeah. here. She's <laughs> She just, left, she just abandoned. She's left the building, and she's a okay. yeah. She's not abandoned dead. Us for a real job. She was alive when I last saw her. No, um, so I was driving the Infinity. I, what did you? Oh, QX60. What? She was alive when I last saw her. Um, the Infinity QX60, which uh, was all new this year. <laughs> if he doesn't stop laughing, I'm gonna have to stop this whole podcast recording. I will turn this podcast around, Robbie. Okay. I'm um, over this way. <laughs> so the new QX60, uh, they've got four trims. It starts at about 40, just under $47,000. Um, what hasn't changed, despite the fact that it's all new, it still has the same engine and transmission, which I did find kind of weird. It's, no, it's, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't? The engine's oh. the same. The transmission. Same engine, new transmission. Sorry, yeah. same engine, new transmission. Um, so it's, 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 which is weird. So then it's only kind of partly new under the hood. 
Um, it does make a difference, though. The, the new transmission is quieter, um, and it makes the power delivery a little smoother. So as you're driving the whole, if you accelerate really aggressively, it's a smoother acceleration than it was before, which this is a luxury car, and you kind of want that. Um, it has decent handling to it. It has a beautiful interior. I really like the interior of this. I, you know, people have mixed feelings sometimes on Infinity, like they're trying to be really upscale, but they don't do it. I think it's beautiful. I think this is a really gorgeous interior. It looks and feels like the luxury car that you think it's going to be. Uh, there's also captain's chairs that you can get on this, but there is limited availability. You can only get them on one trim. They're standard on the autograph. That's it which is the top trim. So if you want the fancy captain's chairs, you have to get the fanciest, most expensive version of the QX60, which like, yay, if you want to spend that money, but it doesn't mean that you can't get that on, on the mid-range trims. Um, infotainment is good. It has a 12.3 inch touchscreen. Um, it has Apple CarPlay that's wireless, which is amazing. I'm all about the wireless device stuff now. I had to drive a car unexpectedly this weekend from Columbus, Ohio to Boston. And I felt like there were wires everywhere, like as we're trying to plug things in. To be able to have a wireless charging pad and wireless connectivity would have made it feel much less like a clutter fest in the front seat of that car <laughs> for that ridiculously long drive. So you don't clutter have fest. To, clutter fest. I hate the wires. I'm now anti wire. I'm anti not having a touch screen and I'm also anti wire. Um, there's a good amount of room for cargo in the back. If you be um Fold everything down, you've got 75.4 cubic feet. That's pretty huge. You can fit a lot into the back of this. And even if you're just going, like, in the back, you still have a good amount. I'm trying to think here. I've lost my number. Fold the third row. I think there's 41.6 behind the second row. So it's it's a good... It's a good amount of cargo room, so you can fit plenty of stuff in there. I had no problem fitting luggage for the three people that were in the car, plus random winter coats and boots and all the junk that we had to throw in there this uh in, in the past. So it's, it, it, it was fine. Um, and it's been really crummy weather here in new England. So I also had a shovel shoved in the back there, <laughs> a scraper in case I got stuck. Uh, so I'm a fan of the QX 60. I liked it. I think they did a good job overall with the update on this. I think probably the, maybe the, maybe the weakest point is the infotainment isn't as maybe intuitive as some other systems so it takes a little bit more time to get the hang of it um, but you still have that massive 12.3 inch touch screen which I like because it does make it easier to see what you're looking at especially if you're following navigation which again I had a very small touch screen or very small screen on the car that I was driving and it's like going through cities suddenly that small screen becomes the worst thing you've ever experienced in your entire life when you're in an unfamiliar city and you've been driving a lot uh, so I like the very large touchscreen. So overall, QX60, pretty good car. Thumbs up. Yeah, well, you, you and I both drove it last summer. Was it yeah. Summer? Um, on the, it was summer. The, the I feel like drive. it was summer. Yeah. It didn't feel like it you know, when we were in Northern California. It felt right. it was kind of cold. But, um, yeah, I think it, was, it seems like it was August or something when we were out there. Seems about right towards the end of the summer. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and this is based on the this, as the previous one was based on the uh, the Nissan Pathfinder, mm -hmm. but it's you know much nicer. Uh, which, considering you know, last week I talked about the Pathfinder, you know, and how much nicer it is than the previous generation. You know, this this was a, a pretty significant step up, and I, I agree with you on the the infotainment. You know, it's the Nissan and Infinity infotainment system is is okay. It's not great. It's not as modern as as some of the other systems out there. 
Yeah, it just feels, it's not like it doesn't work well or it's really missing any key feature. It just doesn't, something about it just feels, like you said, a little bit dated. So if you really like that very sort of high-tech feel and you want it to look and feel like something really new and like cutting edge, it does not get that vibe. But that doesn't mean that it's inadequate or somehow frustrating or anything like that. It's, it's good. It's just not as good as what some other OEMs are offering, especially for a luxury car. And you had the autograph, right? I have or, actually driven like three different trims of this thing. So, <laughs> see. so you've driven them all. I've driven them all. So I like the autograph. I, you know, I, if I could, th- there's a pretty significant price difference. Um, you know, so when you're, you're getting up to, let's see, you're starting at 46850 then you're eventually ending up for the autograph at 60350 So it's a pretty significant price hike and you know if so if you're just looking for those captain's chairs you're basically paying what is that math fourteen thousand dollars to get captain's chairs i mean you get other stuff but you also get that removable center console in the second row too you do which is pretty cool that's you know that's fancy that's fancy pants but so that makes it worth it the the, the seats were only worth a grand the other thirteen thousand is for that removable center console yeah (laughs) Things aren't, eh, but you could take a console out. Ooh. I know, right? <laughs> and then you could store it somewhere I around. Just, yeah, just <laughs> toss it in back in all that cargo room in the back. You do get a lot of cargo room. So, um, did you have anything else that you drove? Yes. Wait, dun, I have dun. to switch. Literally switch gears. See my reference. <laughs> I also drove, and this is what is currently in my driveway this very minute, covered in salt is a 2022 Subaru Outback Wilderness, um, which I took a picture of and put on my Twitter today. What, what are those things called that go beneath your feet in a car, Sam? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, as he called them foot thingies. Uh, some people call them floor mats. <laughs> we were talking about He's like, those foot thingies. I'm like, I took a picture of what? <laughs> uh, so the floor mats, which are covered with salt. And really, they, they're, they have all this snazzy Subaru Wilderness um, the, the logos, like it has this wilderness logo that's orange and it's on the floor mats and they're these black rubberized floor mats and they seem completely crazy and like too much. But now we've had a blizzard and there's literally so much salt in the roads in New Hampshire that when you drive down the highway, there's just like white cloud that follows you along the roadway. And I'm looking at what that salt is doing to everything, cringing for what it's doing to the car. I'm like, thank God this has these neat, nifty rubberized floor mats. <laughs> Otherwise, this, the interior of this car would be destroyed. So they have the wilderness for the Forester and for the Outback. They get, I think they're technically called bronze accents. I believe I referred to them as orange at one point and someone nearly ripped my head off, but I believe they are technically bronze. They look kind of orange. You should never, ever misidentify a color name uh, I, in front of a PR person or a designer. It wasn't a PR person. It was like random Joe on Twitter. He's like, what are you, colorblind? I'm like, <laughs> oh, sorry, they're bronze. It's like, oh, whatever, uh, bronzy, orangey kind of situation. Um, a color that's orange. not blue. Yeah, orangey. They look orangey. Orange. Yeah, did you guys see it? It's it, like if yeah, you just it looks it. orange to me. Thank yeah, you. I've had, I've had the car. They just call it bronze. They call it bronze. Bronze it is actually a darker color if they really want to. Yeah, see, it's... It, they want to be split in here. Let me get my Pantone color wheel out. Color and, wheel uh, and determine exactly what color it is. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So this orangey, bronzy kind of trim stuff. Um, 
and you see it in accents on the outside and it's on the inside so it makes it look a little better. The wilderness gets some cool stuff that the rest of the Outback line does not have. It gets an advanced X mode um, that increases the all-wheel drive engagement, makes it a little bit handle a little bit better if you're in situations like snow or deep mud. Um, I drove this in ridiculous snow and it was amazing. Um, we got um, home and our driveway was completely plowed in. So I think there literally had to be about two and a half feet of snowbank. And I said, let's see. <laughs> and I drove right <laughs> yeah. through it, drove right through it. And I mean, it like drove through it and it was just kind of like, but bump like I went over a speed, like, bump whatever didn't, it was like, eh, no, nice. no big deal. So I was Subaru though. It was very Subaru. It was yeah. peak Subaru. I'm like, can you do it? Let's find out. Uh, this one does have a little bit more ground clearance too. The wilderness has 0.8 inches of extra ground clearance. Honestly, I don't think that 0.8 inches was what made it. I think you'd have done it in the regular, the regular Outback too. But you know, it was probably the X mode. The X mode. Yeah. I'm sure it was the X mode. X mode. Um, so I mean, and the, this is I mean, this is. The kind of car, you buy it because you live someplace like where I live. You know, it's got the versatility to, to hold a bunch of cargo in back. It's not this huge, gigantic, like, SUV. It's got a little extra ground clearance, and it's rugged. I mean, even like I was talking about the floor mats, but everything, it, it has a nice interior without feeling like you have to worry about all that salt and snow getting on your car or worry about the dog running through with his paws, you know, galloping over the seats and leaving a trail of muddy footprints. Uh, you know, Subaru makes these these vehicles for active lifestyles, and that sounds like such a cliche, but it really is some, you know, that's exactly what this is. It's made for that person. You feel like it can stand the rigors of whether you go outside or whether it's rough weather or whether it's your dog or whether it's your kids. When they do the things that they do to a car, like this kind of stuff can destroy some cars or seriously, you know, ruin, like make the interior show its age a lot faster. In a Subaru, you, it's like it just shrugs it off, kind of like that snowbank at the end of the driveway. It just shrugs all that off. So uh, I, I appreciate it, and it was the perfect thing to have for the Bombogenesis snowstorm that we had. Hey, it was called Bombogenesis? Yeah, they really call it that. It's called Bombogenesis. I can't explain to you oh. in meteorological terms what that means. The eyewall roll just is got completely worn. I know, which means, <laughs> no, but then the pressure does this, and it, I don't know, but they say Bombogenesis. Yeah. Bombo Gen I'm Fine. looking forward to Google. that vehicle from You're Hyundai Motor Group at some point. <laughs> the Bombo Genesis. It's Bombo the Genesis. Out. Yeah. It's a little fancier than the regular Genesis. It's the Bombo yeah, it's Genesis. The Bombo Gen Bombo it's only available five. in Snow White. But um Aww. Yeah. So yeah, so those are my those are my two vehicles. I had this Subaru Outback, which is like your rugged outdoorsy tackles anything, and then the QX sixty, which is your super fancy pants, but also does a pretty good job tackles of tackling most that stuff. kind of one. Tackles, tackles most stuff, but probably not as uh, keen on having your dog run through it as the Outback is. <laughs> as the outback. I mean, there's the a gen- reason why, why, why a bunch of uh, places that are just in, in, enveloped by snow for a very long time, a lot of those folks have Subarus. I mean, I had a WRX, which is like the fast Subaru, the wagon. Yeah. And I had just all seasons on it. I would take that thing snowboarding up to Tahoe like 20, 30 days a year. Yeah. And I'd just be doo, 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 just flying past like SUVs and ditches yeah. and big trucks and whatever. Cause it's just like, it's low. It's got this really nice all wheel mechanical, all wheel drive system. It yeah. just, it 
Yeah, they. I don't. Yeah. I know my neighbors. My neighbors have had. I think. I think they just like she gets rid of one and buys another one. Like there's been this constant. She's like something happens and she decides to upgrade, but it's always another Subaru, and she loves it. She never gets stuck, and she drives through the same crummy side roads that I do to get to my house. And like I've seen her like like blast through snowbanks just like I did because there's wow. right and, yeah, we're, there's we're at, at this, least. There's at least three houses in my neighborhood that have multiple Subarus in the driveway. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Wait, somebody has a, what is it, is the Crosstrek, I think, in like this bright orange? Yeah. And it was when it first was around, and it's like, I still recognize, like, oh, there's Laura in her bright orange Subaru Crosstrek. Because <laughs> it's like, ah, it's like a little beacon in the neighborhood. Here she comes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, what about you, Roberto? What did you have? So I wanted to uh, uh, continue my adventures with the CT5V, uh, the Cadillac CT5V that I talked very uh, briefly about last week, just because I only had it for like a day or so, and I uh, drove for a week, and I can tell you that it is outstanding. <laughs> it is, uh, it is a very fun car. It is a very expensive car. It starts at uh, eighty-four thousand dollars. The version I had was a hundred and thirteen. $500, so, you know, the cost of your parents' first house, probably, um, maybe the <laughs> second house. Um, it gets horrible gas mileage. Uh, they, they're saying it does 15 miles per gallon. I was getting about 14, and this Ooh. is even when I, I was on the freeway uh, for, for a lot of time, because I used it to drive up and down to Sonoma a few times. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is such a great uh, manual transmission, sports sedan. It's, it's so much fun. I really, really enjoyed uh, having it. I was sad to see it go. They ended up having to take it away a day early. Uh, they didn't have to. They asked me, and I'm very nice to my fleet. And they're like, hey, we're super busy on Friday. Can we pick it up Thursday? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Should have been horrible. Um, you should be like, no, I want one more day. No, Heck I want with one you and your needs. Day. One more day. But, yeah, manual transmission, six-speed. Um, I think I talked – I don't know if I remember if I talked about this on the show. But it does have a very high bite for the, uh, for the clutch. Uh, other than that, it's, and once you get used to it, it's fine. You know, it's just. It's a, and I asked a couple other people. I wanted to make sure because one or two people, uh, journalists were like, "Nah, it's fine," and like some other journalists were like, "No, I, I, I experienced that too." And then I went out into the world and talked to some journalists, and they were like, "Yeah, the same thing I did. Wasn't it great?" And I'm like, "Yes, it was." So it has that, you know, that Tremec uh, uh, transmission, which it's hard to go wrong with one of those. Um, yeah, the inside is uh, Cadillac. The power is magic rear wheel drive um you can see you know when, and when you get in they know what you're going to do so like in the dash cluster you know you got your speed you got your whatever things you want to see on the right hand side but on the left hand side there's a picture of the car and a picture of the wheels and it says cold cool normal because they don't want you just flying around corners with cold tires <laughs> <laughs> like a crazy man like a crazy man <laughs> Uh, no, well, like like the twenty four hours of Daytona this past weekend. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Don't you do know, that. It, it's got the Pilot Sport for us uh, wheel, summer wheels on it. Um, it was a li- It wasn't really. It wasn't cold over the last week. It was just like you know forties, but you know you still had to like sort of warm it up in order to not go sliding sideways around corners. Um, if that's you know your thing or not, whatever. Uh, yeah, six point two liter V eight, six speed manual. 
Uh, let me get you the numbers for all the exciting 668 horsepower, 659 pound-feet of torque. Uh, no matter what gear I was in, whenever I depressed the accelerator for a little extra power, it was there. It was ready to party at all times. That's the CT5V, ready to party at all times. 0.63.4 seconds. Um, more than a few times I was surprised by how much power and how quick it was. Um, I really, really enjoyed the car. Um, I'm glad Cadillac did it. I know this is it. This is that's that's the end. I've heard that CT4V is actually better, um, but uh, yeah, I haven't driven that one yet, so we'll we'll see. It's you know smaller car. We'll see. It's, it's one less number. <laughs> <laughs> two less cylinders. <laughs> one lesser number. <laughs> yeah, two less cylinders. So you you know you're already cutting weight down there. You know you go from a from a V8 to a to a V6, and you you know smaller car. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, CT5 Blackwing. Um, if you're rich. And you want to own a piece of history? I think this is this is the the one of the cars to get if you're a fan of Cadillacs. Um, because after this, it's all EVs, baby. That's it. Yep, this is the the end of the line for for gas Cadillacs. Um, yeah, yeah and, and and manuals. That's the big. That, that's, to well, me, that's that the big yeah. part. A manual Cadillac. I mean, it, when you really think about it, if someone said, "Hey, here's a manual five series," you'd be like, "Oh snap, that's exciting." But <laughs> right. you're not you're not going to get that. That's not going to happen. So Cadillac's like, "Hey." Hey, we heard you like manuals. <laughs> we got one well, of those. Yeah. We got a couple of those lying around. We got a big pile of them. Just we'll give me one. Here you go. You got yeah, eighty-four thousand dollars. We'll help you out. I've I've always been a fan of that uh, supercharged small block and its various iterations, going back to the the LSA in the CTSV a couple of generations ago, and the the LS9 that was in the ZR1, the the twenty two thousand nine ZR1 Corvette. Um, and, and now this, you know, I can't wait to get my hands on, on this one. Um, cause you know, it, it is a, a lovely engine to drive. Wasn't one of the LS engines just, didn't they just say it's going to be discontinued? Uh, uh oh, the LS seven crate engine, I think is the LS seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw that earlier today. You, you can't, you can't solve all life problems with an LS swap, but you can solve a couple at least. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> A few. You can solve a, a few, few problems. There's a few problems you can solve. Tiny, just But a not few all problems. of life's. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, the worst problems you can solve by just swapping in an LS, you know, small block. Yeah. yeah. That takes so. care of the worst of your troubles right there. That's right. Worst that. of your troubles. Not all of them. Once you have that running, you know, everything else will just kind of fall away. So. Yeah. Kids doing horrible in school? Get an LS Whatever. swap. Whatever. LS yeah. swap. That's all you need. <laughs> And the, the beauty of those small blocks is, even though it's a large displacement engine, it's actually a remarkably compact engine for how much power you get out of it. You know, because it's you know, people look at it and think, ah, oh, it's an old pushrod design, but it, you know, it's actually a, a surprisingly sophisticated engine, and you know, they manage to get a lot of power out of a very small and surprisingly lightweight package. It's like a little neutron star. Yeah, pretty much. There you go, everybody. All right. Um, <laughs> I did not have a V8 engine this week. Um, I only had four cylinders in, in what I was driving. Only four. Uh, so you got, half, easily of, four. You got half a Cadillac. Yeah, half, half a Cadillac. Um, <laughs> I had the, uh, the 2022 Ford Explorer Timberline. Uh, so Ford last year, or yeah, last year started announcing Timberline uh, editions of their various SUVs. So I think so far they've announced the the Expedition and the Explorer. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, probably 
Um, later this sometime this year, we'll probably hear about a Timberline Escape or maybe Bronco Sport. These are the more off-roady um, versions of their respective models. Uh, so uh, in the case of the Explorer, you get slightly more ground clearance. Uh, you get uh, Bridgestone Dueler all-terrain tires, uh, a Torsen limited slip uh, rear differential, um, skid plates, um, some uh, rather, rather nice, attractive, uh, you know, and, and relatively subtle red uh, trim stripes on the, the front fascia. And, and uh, Are they red? Or can, I was going to say, could red no, they, trim they, stripes actually be subtle? Isn't the fact that they're red demand them well, to not they're, be subtle? Well, they're very thin. So, okay. you know, they don't, they don't scream at you. You know, it's, it's enough to say, okay. hey, there's something different here. Oh, look um, at that. And, there's and the, the wilderness... Um, also ha- come, uh, has these auxiliary lights, uh, LED lights in the grill that uh, <clears throat> the, the switch for them is actually just be- on the, the left-hand side under the dash, on the underside of the dashboard, just below where the headlight switch is. And <laughs> it, the, there's a, a little uh, LED that they've installed there to let you know when those are on. So the, 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 bottom half of uh, inside the head there's a rotary knob for the headlights on the explorer and then there's a, a two two-part uh switch inside that the top one is for the fog lights the bottom one turns on these auxiliary lights and then there's this <laughs> this little orange uh light below it that comes on when the when you're when you turn the auxiliary lights that really looks tacked on you know that, that looks like something <laughs> and, you know an aftermarket thing that somebody installed themselves uh, oh, really, man. that little. It, fortunately, it's kind of it's out of the way. You don't really notice it very much. But if you look at it, you realize that was really an afterthought. Um, was but is the, it in the rotary portion? No, or it's like just below. Else? It's just below the rotary thing. It's just to show you that you're using the auxiliary lights, right? Which which you don't actually need because those things are so bright. You know, when you right. turn them on, uh, for off roading in the middle of nowhere, you're not supposed exactly. to use them on you regular absolute, roads. You absolutely do not ever want to use these you know, when you're <laughs> driving around where, wherever there's any other vehicles around, because you will blind people. Um, and, uh, and these things are really bright, and they are, you know, they, they basically flood the whole area in front of you. Uh, so absolutely, don't turn on those auxiliary lights if there's if there's other cars <laughs> coming towards you. Um, but uh, the the only engine you can get in the Timberline is the 2.3 liter EcoBoost, which is the base engine in the Explorer, um, and it's it's a it's a nice engine. I mean, this is you know the same engine you get in the, the base Mustangs. Uh, it was in the uh, Focus RS uh, in a slightly more powerful version. Uh, it, Ford's used it in a bunch of different vehicles, uh, both front wheel drive and, and rear drive. And in this particular application, it makes 300 horsepower, 310 foot-pounds of torque, which is it's plenty. Um, you know, it's relatively loud, uh, but not obnoxiously slow. Obnoxiously so, uh, and you know, it's you know, it it gives you more than enough performance. You know, for this thing, you know, and it the Explorer uh, with the four-cylinder weighs somewhere around 4,500 pounds. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a nice responsive engine. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to go off into any really deep snow uh, with it to see how well the uh, the, the Bridgestone Duelers work, uh, but I did drive it around on some uh, some rural uh, dirt roads that, that had some mix of snow and ice covering on there. And it was fine, you know. It it, it behaved uh, behaved itself really well. Uh, it was well controlled. 
Yeah, the Explorer is, uh, you know, it's a good upper midsize three-row SUV in the same class as um, a Kia Telluride, Hyundai Palisade. Um, more, you know, it is it is a rear drive architecture, you know, and you know it's it's more of a true four-wheel drive than the all-wheel drive systems that are on uh, on the those front-wheel drive based um, crossovers. So. Uh, you know, it, it, it does have more, I think it has more off-road capability than what you'll typically find in those. Um, if you do decide to take this thing off-road, you know, it only has 8.7 inches of ground clearance, which I think is prob- it's about the same as what you get in that Subaru. So it's not a huge amount of ground clearance, um, but you do have the skid plates on there. So if you bash into any rocks, you're hopefully not going to punch a hole in your oil pan. Um, the, uh, let's see, the, the base Explorer... Uh, starts at uh, about thirty-three and a half thousand dollars. The Timberline um, is forty-six thousand two hundred and forty-five, uh, and the only options that were on mine were the uh, one hundred and sixty-five dollar cargo area management system and the seventeen hundred dollar twin panel moonroof, uh, which with the twelve hundred and forty-five dollar destination charge brought the final tab to forty-nine thousand one hundred and twenty dollars, which is kind of pricey. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's comparable to what you'll pay for a loaded Telluride or Palisade. Um, but as I said, it, you know, it's got a little more off-road capability. Um, the towing, it'll tow about 5,300 pounds with the four cylinder. Um, one thing that's a little disappointing, uh, in all the, the current generation explorers, uh, is the, the screens for the infotainment. The, this one has the, the base eight inch touchscreen, which, by today's standards, seems a little small. Small. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not terrible, uh, but it's a little on the small side. And uh, you can't get the the, te- the optional ten inch uh, screen that they have on some like on the Platinum and the the Explorer ST. Uh, but even that one, uh, you know, the, the way they did that one, you know, they it's it's portrait style, and they didn't do a really good job on on the the portrait style ten inch screen with mm-hmm. uh, reorganizing the information on there. I think once they finally upgrade the Explorer to uh, Sync 4, because it's still running Sync 3, once it gets Sync 4, wow. I think it'll probably be better. Um, and that, they'll probably do that next year, I think, for a mid-cycle refresh. Um, oh, and the I think the only color you can get on the Timberline is this dark green color, which is actually a really nice color. I, li- I like it a lot. But um, if you... Want some? Oh no! Sorry, there are a few other colors. There's there's a blue, stone blue, a couple of grays, uh, and a white. What do they black. call the dark green? It can't just be dark green. It is. That's, it's uh, just dark green. It is forged green. Ooh, forged. that sounds fancier. I'm like, like it can't fire. just be dark green. That's not right. exciting because, enough. But it's not a word, people. It's green. But you know why you would call it forged green? I don't know because anything that you're going to put into a forge is never going to come out looking anything like this color. Should be forest green or pine green or yeah. or leafy green. Leafy green. <laughs> leafy green. It's not really it's leafy though. Green. It's too it's too dark. Broccoli green. green. Salad it's, green. It's a, it's a very dark green. Yeah. Arugula um, green. Forest forest or pine. Yeah, forest conifer or pine. Conifer green. Conifer. Yeah. Conifer, right? Yeah, yeah. Conifer green. So that is the 2022 Ford Explorer Timberline. Uh, so let's move on to some other stuff. Um, other stuff. Other stuff. 
So okay. let's start off with uh, our friendly periodic reminder that when you buy vehicles that have um, any sort of over-the-air update capability and connectivity, um, you probably shouldn't consider that you actually own any of the features on there. Uh, there is always the risk <laughs> that the manufacturer could decide for no apparent reason, uh, or at least no, no reason that makes any sense to you, that no, you can't have this feature anymore. Um, you know, and especially if, you know, it, it's especially annoying if it's something you paid for. Like, uh, you know, if you bought a Tesla and paid ten or twelve thousand dollars for the full self-driving package, and then you decide to sell it, um, and you realize that um, <clears throat> the whoever you sold it to doesn't no longer has that feature, and so you can't get that added to your resale value. Um, you know, that's kind of annoying. And there's another. Fair. Another um, bit of news that uh, popped up the other day um, about Tesla that they're doing that is also uh, annoying. Uh, I saw this, and also one of our patrons, John Bonestiel, also sent in this link. Um, turns out that uh, Tesla is now monitoring how often you adjust your seat position. And if you adjust your seat position too frequently, they will, <laughs> they will turn it off. They won't let you adjust it anymore. I can't so so like do they turn it off now, or is there there's a capability to turn it off? Because they have the hacker Green, I forget the uh, the hacker who found it, who finds everything in those Teslas. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's it's on yet, but it's there. Yeah. Well, the fact that they would even consider something like this that's crazy. Yeah, is no. is ridiculous. You're, you're setting yeah. your, hey, hey, enough the lumbar support, buddy. I love that it's called quote seat abuse metrics. Like, I'm sorry, you have over adjusted your seat. Stop being abusive. We're turning that off for five minutes and come back. It's like they sent you to the corner. You go sit in your timeout spot and come back to us when you can play nicely. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I the, adjust the, my seats the, a lot too. There's always like a little minutiae, like a little bit here, a little bit. Like if I'm going to be like, uh, if if the driving is going to be a little bit aggressive, I like adjust a little bit. If it's not going to be as aggressive, I adjust a little bit. I'm like, oh, I may adjust my lumbar support if I'm only in the car for a few well, minutes. I don't, and, I, this is or if you're doing a long road trip, you know, every once in a while. But, on, but listen though, it goes on to say with you, blah, 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 they got further in and it says 90 seconds of use in five minutes will trigger. The warning message, well, 120 seconds of use in five minutes will disable the motor. So you just have to be adjusting that solidly for two solid, right? Yeah, two solid minutes in any five-minute period. Two minutes it, of adjusting is a lot of seat adjusting. <laughs> like, is it two minutes that. of, like, is it two minutes of adjustment? Or is there is it reset well, uh, every time you let go of a button? 120 is, seconds of use in five minutes, they disable it. 90 seconds of use in five minutes, you just get a warning. So they that's do the warn problem. you. Bef- the, that's so, the thing is we don't know what their definition of use is. Like, there, is it get is reset just, every time you let go, or is it, or is it like you can use it and then five set? Like, there's a five second window between each time you touch a button that it says, know. "Oh, you know." I feel like this. if you're actively moving the button, that's two seconds. Now it's not timing you because now you're not using the button. Then now you're moving it again, so that's more seconds. I feel like it's probably there's probably a little bit of like time in there that they've built in for that 120 seconds. Because how would you? Because it would it'd just be impossible to. Are use you it just like minute. rocking back and forth in <laughs> like the seat, like, like forward, backward, forward, backward, forward, back? And down. also, like why suddenly would they a put toddler has found their way to the seat and is just playing with the seat <laughs> while you're driving. How does that even work? Which is also brings up the fact why because they had to have seen this sort of behavior somewhere, and if yes. it's if it's well, if but, it's how you say where someone's using it for two minutes straight, like right? how many people are using it for two minutes straight for them to say, you know what, 
Let's put this uh, thing in let's, there. Let's my, stop my, that. For, the, for this weird the, edge case. The, yeah, well, my, my guess is they probably had some warranty claims with where uh, the motors got burnt out. Yeah. Because if you're doing this, you know, well, that much, the motor's going to heat up. This story says that, that there was something about theirs. They've changed the vendor. It says... Um, Tesla appears to have a new front seat vendor for the Model 3 and Model Y, so maybe something changed. But still, like, but you think that many people were, like, like, like Robbie said, how many people are doing that? That's why it's burning out? Like, you're just, is it like it's just a nervous tick? You're just like, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, not paying any attention? (laughs) It's like, you know, it's manual massage. Manual (laughs) massage. You know how the Mercedes Benz, if it doesn't have massage seats, you can set it, you can set it where it like just sort of adjusts the seat every few minutes. Yes. Or every few seconds. It's like, it's it's not a real massage. It's sort of like, and we're just kind of like, move the seat a little bit so like your body doesn't get stuck in one spot. Maybe that's what someone's been doing. They're like manually massaging themselves. <laughs> lumbar, lumbar, I was, lumbar, Do we know lumbar. anyone who has a Tesla? Do we know anyone who has a Tesla? Do you know anyone who has a Tesla? I want someone to yeah. do this. I want I'll, someone to I'll, constantly... If anyone's listening I'll, to you, I'll have a send Tesla. a note to Alex Roy and ask. I want to do you this. to just sit yeah, there, maybe like, like in your Teslas. driveway when you're not moving, so there's no distracted driving. Just, tr- just do it back. Just like see if you get this, and like, yeah, I need to know if this happens. See if, he if can, you see. pause. If you pause and count to three between adjustments, I just need someone to let me borrow their Tesla for five minutes to play with the seats. Oh, it's basically. gonna take longer than five minutes. You have to sit there. You're like, can you leave your Tesla for two days? Like, that's important science yeah. to do. What are you going to do? This, I'm just going to adjust exactly. my lumbar. You need to borrow your, seat, your Tesla your to play motor. with the seat. I do know one person who has it. Oh, I'm going to hit him up. I'm going to make him. I'm going to say, you have to play with the Tesla. You have to sit in the driveway and do this for me. He's going to be like, what? <laughs> oh, they probably, they're like, oh, no, we're just turning this off after it got found. I am yeah, so see, sending see what happens first. Do you right get now. smoke coming from under your seat or does do you get a warning message? <laughs> what happens first, fire or warning? <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm messaging him right this minute as we speak. All right. While you do that, let's move on. Um, last week, uh, Roberto, you uh, went to a program, uh, not just you know, basically in your backyard uh, with Ford um, that they were doing for Ford Pro, uh, and you get to well, you get to drive one vehicle and ride along in another. Why don't you tell us about that? So Ford had their Ford Pro event up here in Sonoma, which was near my house. Any event that's near my house is automatically the best event Um, because I just drive there in the CT5V. That's what I drove up to to the Ford event. So uh, the idea was that they were showing off the Pro versions of their vehicles. Now, these are vehicles that they're building for businesses. It's not for you and me. It's for business. Unless, of course, you have a business. I don't have a business other than me just sitting around riding and I don't need a transport for that. Uh, so the Transit, uh, the E-Transit, is their electric version of the Transit vehicle. It's one of their uh, really well-selling. If you look around your town um, you're go- and you just sort of pay attention for about an hour while you're driving, you're going to see a lot of Transits rolling around. It's their little van. It's, the, it's, it's like this. They used to have the Econo line, but now the Transit came over from Europe. And the Transit is doing uh, pretty well for what it is. Well, they decided to make an e-version of it, and I drove it. And in addition to driving that, they also talked about their telematic system, which seemed if you're a um, if you're a, a business or you're the boss of a fleet, you know, if you're the fleet boss. Uh, this uh, telematic system is actually pretty cool because it you know it keeps track of all the vehicles, all the drivers, how much energy they're using, how much gas they're using. Um, and not only will it work on Ford vehicles from 2020 
with modems, but you can get an ODB, like little dongle, that you can plug into other vehicles. So you can use it with your Silverado, you can use it with your Tundras or whatever. Um, but back to the E-Transit. E-Transit is their, their van. It's the exact same dimensions as the regular uh, E-Transit. So anything you've built out for your transit, you can just shove it into the E-Transit. It has 100, I believe, 26 miles of range, which doesn't seem like a lot, and it's really not a lot. But when you take into consideration, um, when you have these businesses, you know, maybe they're going to a site. Maybe they're just moving things around town. Um, they don't really drive that far. Uh, you know, Ford did some research and they got about 70, I believe it was 78 was the average miles driven by uh, transits. So it ended up working really well with 126 miles is almost about 15 miles extra based on the average use of the vehicle. Um, and I got to drive it and it's really nice because they replaced the rear suspension with, uh, uh, what's that word when the suspension isn't In- one independent. Line. Independent rear suspension. It's <laughs> like the things your foot. <laughs> it has independent rear suspension. So if you've ever driven a transit, you know, whenever you hit anything, the back of the transit is just like, clang, 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 clang. it's just a clanging machine. Even there's nothing back there. Just everything just well, I mean, clanging it's, it's away. A, it's a big, giant steel box. Yeah, it's so. a big, giant steel box. So Pretty they, nice. re- so they re- because of the, the, the uh, motors back there, the battery is, uh, you know, it's in the middle, but also, you know, it's, it's towards the back. And so it's, you know, you're creating all this extra weight. You couldn't just have that boring, straight, you know, axle back there. You had to have this nice uh, uh, independent suspension. And because of that, it rides nicer than the regular Transit. So it, was, it's, 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 it rides nicer. It's quieter. Um, you probably don't think a lot about road noise. Road <laughs> road noise uh, in your daily life you don't you know unless you have a very loud vehicle and you got a wrangler or, or something you know the ct5 is it had a lot of road noise but it's also a, like you know performance vehicle but if your job is to sit behind the wheel of a van for eight hours a day and just drive around and turn it on turn it off turn it on turn it off so removing that road noise is or at least the engine noise is actually really nice <laughs> Um, when you have a nice, uh, a much quieter experience, it doesn't screw with your brain as much. <laughs> so uh, I feel like it's probably for those who have to drive these vehicles, it's probably going to be a more uh, comfortable uh, experience. You are going to be tracked probably a little bit more than you were before. Um, but, you know, if you're the person who's been driving around in your transit vehicle like a bat out of hell... I mean, your your boss has already noticed anyway, so they've already yelled at you. <laughs> so <laughs> now they times. just have, yeah, several times. So now they just have that information like right away. And what's fun, and 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 actually the opposite of fun, is that it'll scold you <laughs> while you're driving it. <laughs> and it doesn't just say slow down or you know don't brake hard. It has this whole long spiel that takes a few Ooh. seconds. That tell you, like, when you're, it's like, oh, for maximum, da, 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 don't drive this, da, 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 da. It takes a few seconds for it to tell you not to just slam on the accelerator or slam on the brake. So, so it totally this, like, chastises you, like, you dummy, don't do what you're doing. Drive like this. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's not like this really quick, like, please do not, you know, do this. It's just like this whole, well, it's like, don't do this, and this is why. And you're just like, oh, my God. It's coaching you. It, <laughs> it's coaching it wants you, you to be a better employee. A better employee, saving money, saving it's the like environment. It's like having the HR department right there with you. 
That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> this is Phil from HR. He'll be riding with you today. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little, it's a little like that, um, you know, and. It turns out my if I was, I was in a hurry to get back because we were running out of time um, because we had to get back in order to ride along in the F-150 Lightning. So on our way out, when we were shooting video and just driving it out, it was fine. It only happened when I was like, you know, trying making it happen. But then on the way back, it was just yelling at me constantly because I was like, we got to get back. We got we're going to get there with like five minutes to spare. We got to hurry. It's like, please <laughs> drive, do not drive. drive. Like, yeah. And the car was just yelling at me every time. We just like, don't. Like, it wouldn't have time to finish telling me how bad I was Before breaking. Before the next thing went wrong. <laughs> Before I slammed on the accelerator at the stop. <laughs> so so it, it, just, it just keeps keeps going until it finishes the current message. It doesn't interrupt and start over again from the beginning every time. I think it interrupted and started over. I think it interrupted the next message. So if I'm slamming on the brakes to get to a stop sign, it starts telling me something. There's no one around. So I slam on the accelerator to take off. And it's like, oh, hold on. There's a whole other issue going on. <laughs> Clearly, this guy needs to be fired. And what's nice is that uh, Ford was, I'm sure, tracking this because that's the whole point of this vehicle. <laughs> so they're probably looking at this and like, oh my god, who's this what idiot? What gave is Robbie our car? Because <laughs> you don't, because you don't. I don't think people realize when we go on drive programs, um, they're actually tracking the car a lot of times. Those something in the car. I've been in, right. I've been in vehicles where, like, especially in in Europe, where you'll pull over to do something and someone will peer out of nowhere. And be like, hey, we just want to make sure everything was okay because they thought maybe you had broken down. It's a brand new vehicle. It's a prototype. I'm like, no, no, no. We're just taking pictures. Like, okay, cool. And you're like, how do they know where we are? And you lift up the trunk and you lift up the little thing. And there's like a little thing inside. Like you're being tracked by Batman. (laughs) Uh, So now a Ford Pro, you can do that with every vehicle. (laughs) Like Batman. (laughs) Like Batman. A couple years ago, I interviewed um, Jim Farley uh, before he was CEO of the company. And, uh, you know, one of the things he, he was telling me the story, he was in San Francisco with another Ford executive. And generally, California is not considered you know, a great market for the domestic automakers. But they were standing on a corner in San Francisco. And he, he said to the, whoever, he didn't say who the other person was, but he said, look at look around, look at look at all these Ford vehicles all around us. And they said, where? I don't see any. And the the problem is the other executive was looking for Ford cars and trucks, trucks. and SUVs and stuff. Um, you know the, the the types of things that people th- pay attention Regular to when people. they think of yeah. Ford. Yeah. And but if in fact you know, he said no, if you look around, look at all these white transit vans and transit connects and you know F one fifties. You know you know for very for various commercial operators. You know they. That is, that's their biggest market in California. Um, you know, their the, the biggest base of customers is those commercial customers. And as they go to electrification, that's uh, you know that that's a a key uh, market segment for them because you know they they understand what those customers need, and you know that operating costs are a huge factor for those customers, much more so than for regular consumers. Uh, I, I had a a transit uh, that I borrowed from Ford uh, in late 2020 uh, to help my daughter move. And, you know, it, it was similar to the one you had in, in the video there, Robbie, you know, the tall roof, long body one. Wow. Um, and uh, that, you know, driving around here, you know, that thing got about 12 miles per gallon. You know, going from 12, 13 miles per gallon in a big van like that to an EV 
you know, we're using way, way less energy, even, even when that thing's loaded up, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge cost savings for them, uh, for, for the operators of those vehicles. So I, I think, you know, I think the e-transit's going to be a big hit for Ford. Oh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a huge hit. Just, I mean, efficiency wise, uh, you know, the, the, you have all these, uh, very, you know, you can set up the, how you want your regen to work. You need to have it at a hundred percent, or you can like, you could tap the brake, uh, you tap the brake once, you get 30%. You tap it twice, you get 60. You tap it a third time, you get 100%, which is great, especially in, like, again, San Francisco. There's all these giant hills, and so you don't want 100% regen. You don't want, like, sort of stopping. Yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't want one pedal driving when you're doing that. You want to be able to adjust it a little bit. And if you could just, like, you know, just very quickly tap at your foot and just get used to that, you know, you're, you're 60% on a hill like California – you know, you're, you're making money, (laughs) 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 which is, you know, you're, you're, well, you're, you know, you're, you're generating energy, which is something you're not going to do in a gas vehicle. And, you know, San Francisco is silly with, uh, with like you said, you know, transits and F-150s. There's so many white F-150s because there's a ton, a ton of contractors in San Francisco. It is, it it is a, it, it is a, uh, a city always under, under construction. There's just, hundreds of millions i feel like yeah, well, every I mean, if you leave at a certain time of day if you leave after like 10 a.m it's nothing the only thing on the road is yeah. f-150s and then ubers just clogging everything up yeah you know the the vans you know they're used by electricians plumbers um delivery companies caterers florists you name it they you know they're all using transit vans yeah, no, it's it's and you know what was interesting is they they did talk a little bit about van life while I was there. Just very, you know, we're not going to talk about future projects, blah blah blah. But if you're the type of person, you know, I know people who have bought transit vans or friends of friends for their band for Burning Man, which is a very Northern California thing. Um, so you know, in the future, there's going to be a van that probably has 250 miles, maybe 300 miles. Uh, but right now, I mean, you, you really want to hit that core audience. You want to hit that core customer group. And Ford is happy to sell you uh, an e-transit. And if that's not going to work for you, they still have the transit. They're, yeah, no matter what, Ford is, is happy to sell They've you. They've got you stuff. covered. They got you covered. And then the F-150, um, the reason I was driving the uh, e-transit so badly at the end of the day, uh, we got to sit in it. Um, it has EV torque. Um, it, it just, you get inside of it. It just looks like the current generation F-150, which again, for, especially for business customers, that's all they want. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? They don't need fancy schmancy stuff. They don't need gimmicks. They want, this is, you know, if, if, if your employee gets out of one F-150 into another F-150, they shouldn't have to like, oh, wait, hold on. Where is everything? You just want them to get into the truck and go deliver or go pick up or go to the work site and do the work. Um, and so, yeah, the F-150 has, you know, they have their onboard power in the back. Uh, there's two, there's six, six powers? Yeah, there's six outlets. There's two in the giant front. That thing is huge. It's sort of like 400 <laughs> pounds in it. You I can put so four, much. There's four in the front, four in the trunk, front trunk. There's two in the front. There's four. You can get four in the bed. There's, you can get uh, an extra 240 and another 120 in the bed. Okay. Oh, I think if you get um, if you get the 9.6 kilowatt, the the the, str- the more powerful version, oh, okay. then you get four in the front trunk. So you, then you get eight. There's ten. There's yeah. two in the car. Yeah, you can get a lot of power supplies. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's it is definitely you know the, what Ford is doing for you know the F one fifty is the number one selling vehicle ever. That's at this point, um, three decades the number one selling vehicle, four decades the number one selling uh, pickup. Making that an EV is a huge, huge, huge deal, and then making sure that the commercial uh, segment uh, gets that EV is also huge. Because again, there's you know, after a certain hour in San Francisco, and I'm sure in other cities and other towns, and even here out in the burbs, a lot of F-150s, a lot of, you know, they just, they, when one dies, they just take all their bits off of it and shove it on the other, on a new one, and then just go back to whatever they're doing. And that's, that's, you know, that's what they want. And, and that's what Ford is giving them. And they're giving it to them in an EV with a lot of uh, these cool little options that uh, actually work for them as a business, as opposed to just sort of gimmicky stuff that the rest of us like. Gimmicky stuff. All that other stuff. stuff. That superfluous, unnecessary extra stuff. The sort of, you know, the stuff that we like, you know, for the kids. For the kids. (laughs) Just for the kids. Like playing with seats. Just for the kids. (laughs) Just for the kids. Don't use the seat up too much, though. You don't want to wear that motor down. Wear it out. (laughs) Don't wear out that motor. (laughs) Okay. um, Another thing that I think both of you got to drive uh, last week was the Kia EV6. Yes. Um, and uh, tell me about it. How was it? Sorry. Right. No. Go ahead. You go first, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Kia. Yeah. Sorry. It's really. You know what? It's really good. It's actually. And it, it and is. and I think the Ionic Five and the the EV6 and it, and the reason they they look like this is in pictures they look way smaller than they do in real life. That's because the wheels have been pushed out. The wheelbase is really wide on these as so they push out to the end. And so the vehicles you have in your brain as a point of reference are these smaller vehicles that you could do that with. Um, and so you look at it and then you get there and it's about – it's like an inch and a half within like a 3 Series BMW. That's mm-hmm. how big it is. It's not a small car. It's a medium-sized sedan essentially. And they called it a CUV which is just a fancy well, word. Because if you, well, if you call it a sedan or a hatchback, nobody's going to buy it. it. No one's going to buy it. Yeah. You have to it's call a, it a crossover. Yeah. You but have the, to call it a crossover. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wagon. Uh, it's it's a wagon? Oh my gosh, that's even worse. You called it a wagon. Know. Robbie, oh my gosh. It's a space wagon. How about what that, huh? You. Anyway, um, I really liked it. I think, um, they, they only had us driving the GT line. So we had the all wheel drive. We had to drive the all wheel drive and then the rear wheel drive version. Yeah. Um, well, um, I, I, I actually said, whoa, when I, I stuck it in sport mode while I had my foot on the accelerator. Did you just like, say whoa. whoa, or did you do it like a surfer was like, whoa, like, no, no, it was more like, whoa, cause I wasn't okay. anticipating as much power. Um, my only, and I'm really this, I feel like I'm almost picking on like trying to find something wrong with this vehicle <laughs> is that the power to handling ratio, like it has so, it's just so quick that if you're going around really tight corners, you have a lot of body roll. That's it. And so you do. You you are gonna like it will break free. I I got it to break free. And I, I, well, I'm just me. Uh. <laughs> was this in the? Was this what were you, Was this the all-wheel drive one or the? Um... Both of them. I was able to get them both. Both. See, right. I had. I yeah. found with the the. I didn't have that problem as much with the all-wheel drive. If it, it felt much more stable much more composed because we were on these they had a a really cool driver but it's very very twisty like extremely twisty which is good but also if the car isn't up to it it's bad so i felt like on the first bunch of the rear wheel drive i felt like it was a little bit sloppy but then the second batch i had the all-wheel drive and it was fine fine it was great actually really like the second 
the second, the first portion was a lot of really wide sweeping turns. The second portion was a lot of really uh, tight, and I had it opposite. Well, I had all-wheel drive okay. and the wide sweepers, and then the uh, rear-wheel drive and the short, tight ones. Uh. And, um, but again, I, you know, I'm driving, you know, I'm pushing the vehicle more right. than the average person. More than 90% of people who drive this car are not going to do what I was doing. So it is, it is, again, it is really like sort of splitting hairs just to find something wrong with this car. Well, <laughs> because you know, it's there, was, you... there was room in the front. There's room. Yeah. At, look, but the seat all the way back where I fit in the driver's seat, I got in the back seat. And there's still like knee room. There's, you know, you can put the seats down. It's It has that cool little capacitive touch thing, which I thought I wasn't going to like. And then I ended up like, oh, so you it's can change. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, below the, um, the, the touch screen is this capacitive touch, this capacitive touch area that you hit a button and it's either the controls for your climate control and your stereo or you hit the little button it's the control like the quick keys for the um for the uh who's it what do you call it touch screen i just talked about <laughs> for your infotainment system man my brains are we have no words today we're all like what are words it's a monday because we're it's recording on a monday night instead of a sunday that's what it is <laughs> But no, I I I really I I, I enjoy the Ionic Five. I like the Ionic Five better. But that is, at this point, at this point, it's really I, I really think it's just down to you drive both cars and you just figure out which one you like better. I don't think one's really like if you if you if you think about them as as vehicles on the road, they're both outstanding EVs. They're both you know. But you're just like, well, I, I think I like this one better. No, I think that really kind of like it, that. Which sounds like a not answer answer, but I agree with you, Robbie. That it gets to that point where you, you know they're so close in so many ways that oh, this one's got a little bit of an edge here, but that one has a little bit of an edge there. It's it's such it's such small differences between the two and the things that you might like about one or not like versus the other that it really does come down to put your butt in the driver's seat and drive it and see how you like it, like. For you, for your body, for your driving style, for everything you personally like, do you like it? Because really, they're both great vehicles. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I like them both, and I like the styling of both. Like, and I the the um, the taillights on the back of the key on the EV6, those look cool. The way it looks sort of, cool. It's, it looks it's, way cooler in person. If you if it kind of yeah. turns you off, go and look at it because you're like, yeah. oh. It's slick looking in person. And I also like that I, what I like at the front, you know, you like so many EVs have because they don't need the, you know, the grill to cool everything. It's just like this block. It's like just mm-hmm. thunk, like it just kind of ends in the front. <laughs> this one's still kind of the way it, they've sculpted it down and the way they've curved it. It kind of looks like there's a grill, but it's like there's not. But there's that little bit underneath. Like it, I like the front that it looks like a traditional car more as opposed to this weird arse SUV. I mean, weird arse like. EV thing like we got to make it look funky and different in front no don't do that that's weird make it look like a normal car and I like how they did the front of it I thought it was I like the styling a little bit a skosh better on the EV6 a skosh just a teeny skosh ball. see I like skosh. the Ionic 5 the, uh, the styling on the Ionic 5 did you well, see there, that's you're where it comes wrong, down no. that comes well, down and that, I'm, that's, that's why I'm completely pull. wrong now you have two <laughs> to choose from that's why Hyundai, Hyundai Motor Group has these two actually well three different yeah. brands you yeah know, because they're, I mean, these are under the skin. These aren't the same car, as right. is the new Genesis GV60 that's coming later this spring. You know, they're all, all three are the same car, but they all look quite different from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I suspect that you know, you know, I think the you know the Ionic and the Kia, um, you know, both you know drive 
they've got a pretty similar performance. They drive pretty similarly to each other. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much they'll refine that or change that for the Genesis. Uh, you know, certainly the Genesis will, you know, has a different interior look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it basically comes down to, you know, take a, take a look at it. Either one, I think, you know, is going to be a great car. You know, it's just, which one do you like the looks of better? Yeah, that kind of comes down to it. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you, when you, when you drive these vehicles, I, you know, I was pushing the vehicles pretty hard um, because it's the GT line. And that's what, when you, when you give us the GT line, that's what people kind of want to see. But at some point, when I was in the rear-wheel drive version, I was drive, we were driving around Clear Lake. Clear Lake's a lake in northern California, just sort of like driving. I was doing about 40 to 55 miles an hour, just sort of, you know, cruising. And I was getting 4.9 miles per kilowatt hour in that thing. That's wow. crazy. That because if you do the math, it's about four miles per kilowatt hour. Now Kia wouldn't give us the, the they they said they didn't know or they wouldn't get. I don't know. They just wouldn't tell us what the gross versus usable um, battery pack is. So you know we don't you know like well it's it you know I think it's, it's 77.4. Is for the for the extended range version is yeah so is that the, but they wouldn't tell us that that was the gross that's yeah. all the battery or if that's the usable so it's and that makes a big difference when you're trying to calculate efficiency because if it's the gross and the usable is lower that means it's an insanely efficient car you're probably looking like 4.5 kilowatt if you do it if that's if that 77.4 is the usable and they're, or they're allowing you to use to use the entire pack it's still four miles per kilowatt hour based on what their, you know, their EPA targets was. But I'm getting 4.9 just cruising around in the rear-wheel drive, and it has 310 miles of range, and you're just like, what is happening? This is crazy. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. And, you know, they've been, Kia's been, and, and Hyundai have been slowly sort of like really high up there when it comes to the efficiency numbers. Like, one of the reasons I bought the Kona Electric is because of the efficiency number. <laughs> like, we're getting... Yeah. It's, it's crazy, yeah. cr- crazy efficient. And, yeah, yeah, it, and it's, these things also charge really fast. Three fifty. Yeah, yeah, it's it's does the same you know, <laughs> ten to eighty percent charge in uh, what eighteen minutes, uh, you know, which is ridiculous. That that's enough time to get out of the car. You don't realize how quick time uh, how quick time passes when you go into the like the how long you're sitting at the, like the store or whatever going in to get food. Because I remember when I was driving a Model 3 to Las Vegas one year for CES, I was like, okay, well, I'm almost done. Let me plug it in. And I think it was like 200-something kilowatts. And I went in to get food, and I'd be sitting there, and I wouldn't be done with my food. And it'd be like, hey, you got, hey, you got you know, 30 more minutes before we start charging you for – or 10 more minutes before we start charging you for idle time. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> run, so when you run, get to, quickly. Run, run, run. So when you, when you get to 350 – it's, it doesn't have to have, you know, this weird 500 miles of range or even 400 miles of range because it charges so quickly. If, if well, that is if you can find the charging station. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, there is fast. that. Yeah. If you find an EA station that's 350 and working, even if it's hitting like 250, 270, 300, you're still going to be like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yay. All right. Uh, let's answer some questions from the listeners. Uh, first up this week, uh, we've got one from uh, ZBM327. Uh, he says, uh, I leased a plug-in hybrid uh, Volvo V60 Polestar, uh, great dependable daily, and I applaud you for buying a station wagon. None of this jacked up no. V60 cross-country or XC60. V60 the, the proper so V60 nice. Polestar. 
Yeah, I love the, I, I, I love the V60 Polestar. Um, anyway, uh, it, it is the uh, the first car I've ever leased. I did so due to charging uh, to changing technology and complexity. Um, is com- is technology at a point where in three years a Bev? Uh, he's thinking mentions the EV6, uh, where Bev's value uh, hasn't been devalued to a point, making a lease still a better bet. Um, so, uh, you know, right now is kind of a weird time yeah. um, when it comes to residual values because we, you know, we've got the the chip shortage and there's so little supply of new cars, um, and so resale values are way higher than they traditionally have been. I mean, I was, uh, I was actually looking at the, uh, the the resale value of our car, our 2017 Honda Civic today, because uh, I was just doing some comparison against something. And it turns out we paid 24000 for it new five years ago. And it's still worth, or it's worth, right now it's worth almost $22,000 after, after wow. five years. Our, our, we bought our BRZ wow. for eighteen five, I believe, and I could sell it for twenty twenty one right now yeah why <laughs> well i know why but it's still crazy <laughs> but you know to to the question here you know i think we're, we are getting to the point where a lot of these newer evs you know because one of the problems in the past with evs you know especially like the early leafs and uh volts and some of the other ones is that they they did have really terrible resale values because people didn't know what kind of condition the battery was going to be in um and you know what we've you know what we've learned is that batteries actually on most EVs actually hold up really well over time. So right. except for those air-cooled leaf batteries, which tend to degrade more than most others, all, all the others pretty much hold up pretty well. So uh, you know I think you know in three years' time when your lease is up on the the Volvo, um, you know you could probably go look at a, a Polestar three and. Or you know, or a Volvo, you know, whatever the replacement is for the V60, it'll probably be out around that time, and it'll probably be a, a great choice for you, you know, to to buy it. You know, you probably don't have to worry about leasing. You know, the, the resale value will probably be fine at that point. Yeah, three. I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's always the the problem with 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 Bev's. Um, it's just the technology is moving so quickly, but at the same time, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to get the new phone because another phone's coming out. I'm like, you know what? At some point, you're going to need a phone. Just, uh, so it's just you get with whatever, whatever. You can't yeah. delay it forever. Yeah, you <laughs> can't delay, and it's like, well, this is the year. You know, I heard somebody say that somebody to somebody to somebody, and then solid state comes at the end of that sentence. Like, ah, maybe it's still we maybe, still I eventually think, someday. I, I think we still got a little while first because there's. Once they actually figure it out, then they got to do like a couple of years of testing and blah blah blah. So three years, I think you're you're not going to buy a Bev and then six months later someone's going to be like, we finished, we figured out solid state. It's going to be in a car tomorrow. No, no. Well, even even Toyota is one of the companies that's been working on solid state batteries. One of many that's been working on solid state batteries and who who many expected to be the first to launch something with solid state said uh, like a week or two ago that yeah we're 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 looking we're probably going to launch solid state batteries in 2025 but it's going to be in a hybrid not in a battery electric because we still don't know if we can do a, a large format you know large size yeah. solid state battery um so it's going to be in hybrids before it's in in bevs um all right next question uh from john halkius uh with the terrible weather here in the north lately uh he's in ohio uh, I was having an online discussion with other Mach-E owners on what is the best mode to drive the car in during adverse snow and ice conditions. 
one friend drives in one pedal mode normally and keeps it in one pedal mode. Um, I also drive in one pedal mode all the time, but did not feel confident in bad conditions. I switched the car to Whisper. Uh, he's normally in engage mode. Um, and turn off one pedal and push the L button on the shifter for a more gentle regenerative braking. I want more control. And after 40 years, after 40 years of driving, 40 years of driving internal combustion, um, I don't want my reflexes to take over in a bad situation, <laughs> let off the, the accelerator, and find and instead of coasting, I'm now sliding sideways. Huh. Is there any better suggestion <laughs> for bad conditions? I never really I, thought about that. I think That's John is correct. With the, I've, because I, I, you know, here's, a, I'm, I'm going to tell a little story about the EV6 where I was going around a corner, I was going a little too quick, and you know, you, you lift, you slowly lift because you don't want that weight transfer of, of slamming the brakes because it pushes the, the front of the car down, it lifts at the back, so now you're losing everything, you know, um, so it, it creates, so I was in one pedal mode essentially while I was doing it, and so I felt it like, oh, 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 wait, maybe. Yeah, so I think John is correct. So yeah, the because you are yeah. getting away, you are you are just automatically putting on the brakes in one pedal mode. So, I would agree. Well, yeah, I, because it is essentially the same thing as like you, if you've slammed the brakes on and you don't want to do that. Yeah, well, I, I, w- I would add a couple of caveats there. One, I think particularly if you have a single motor uh, version of of either the Mach E or the EV6 and the Ionic Five, because the single motor versions of those are rear wheel drive, and so the regen is all going to be coming off the rear axle. And that is going to exacerbate things. So if you, if you lift off the accelerator you know, on a slippery road, you know, you, you're going to be doing all your braking on the rear wheels, um, which is not what you normally would get in, you know, in most cars. Um, and so it, is gonna, so it probably is a good idea to turn off the one-pedal drive mode um, when, you know, when you're in those kinds of conditions with that vehicle. Um, if you have a dual motor all-wheel drive, then I think it's less of an issue because most of that braking, most of that regen braking, is going to come off the front axle. And you know, there when you've got, you know, the heavy braking on the front, you know, it's going to be more stable than it would be. Uh, you're you're not going to be as likely to have the back end coming around on you like that. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, <clears throat> once you get more used to driving it in those kinds of conditions, and you know, what I would recommend is um, you know, when you get a chance, um, go out, you know, find an area, whether it's a big empty parking lot or, um, uh, you know, a, a ro- back road somewhere, um, where there's nobody around, do a little practice, um, and get used to how it feels, get, get used to the feel of how you modulate that pedal, you know, so try it with one pedal driving and, you know, just practice that. And I think, once you once you build up that muscle memory with one pedal driving, you're not going to be as likely to just automatically just lift your foot off the accelerator uh, and have that reflex uh, like you mentioned in there. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I think the lowest version of one pedal would probably be best just for especially now because it will slow you down as opposed to just gliding. Which yeah. is probably not what you want because usually you would like re- lift your lift and then sl- and, like kind of like Easily. see what's going on and then slowly put on the brake. Um, but I think if if you have the gentlest version of regen on your vehicle, I think it would just that would actually work out really well, especially and, on the all wheels. And, and of course, you know the the thing you know is you still have electronic stability control on there. So you know if the car does start to oversteer or understeer, um, you know it will adjust the the regen automatically you know if if it's breaking too aggressively for the amount of traction you have so it'll it'll cut back on that decel 
Yeah, good times. All right. The magic of all-wheel drive in, a, in an EV, though. It's like every yeah. tire is like adjusted within milliseconds. Yep. yep. All right. Next one is from uh, Oh That Flow, Florence Ion. If you uh, no. if you're a l- uh, listener to uh, All About Android or uh, Gadgets uh, from Gizmodo or Read Gizmodo, you'll, you'll be familiar with Flow. Um, Flo's got uh, a daughter who's coming up on her second birthday in a couple of weeks. Uh, she wants to know, what is a cute mom two-seater that I could consider for my post-child life crisis? Uh, Miata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mi- Miata or a BRZ or, you know, yeah. a, a GR86. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, relatively inexpensive two-seaters out there anymore. Uh, and, but the yeah, ones tech- that are out there are, are outstanding. They're pretty they good are. ones that are out there. Yeah, I, like, I still, Miata, I mean, Miata is the answer is always Miata, right? I mean, yeah. I, but for a good reason. I Well, especially if you live in California, you know, where you got, oh, yeah. you got great driving oh, right. roads and it doesn't rain very often. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I would think, say Miata. And, and by the time, and by the time Flo's child is, is, is bigger, I don't know, older, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how children work. I guess they get older and then they leave, <laughs> allegedly. Um, there might be hopefully, a, there, there, that's, that's hopefully the there, there'll be an EV so, Miata. So then you back. you can have an EV Miata. So that means you get all the fun torque of a of an EV and a Miata. I mean, how great is that? Especially if you're just kind of cruising around town. It has a, you know by then, uh, let's say it has 200 miles from a you know 40 kilowatt hour pack. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah. Start saving right. up your money, Flo. <laughs> yeah, start saving the pennies. Save them pennies. All right. Um, next, uh, from Gifted Napper. Um, okay, not really car-related, but in the last episode, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help but notice that Roberto said he was a vegetarian for a long time. Have you rejoined us on the dark side, Roberto? Uh, if so, welcome back. Also, just curious why. I see lots of people go veg, but I rarely see people go the other way. Uh, and uh, Okay, and so uh, so what, what's your story on uh so a, I, a, I, a recovering I, um, vegetarian. So I, I used to work on a farm and I had family that hunted. So I've like killed animals and I've like slaughtered animals. And so I know the, the, the mechanics of what goes into farming and to ranching. I used to, I was an FFA for God's sake. So, so, so you know how the Future sausage farmers, is, I know how to sausage, know how the sausage I is made. literally helped make yep. the sausage. Uh, I used to weigh sheep. He I had a whole sheep process. Yeah. I, um, I never raised pigs because pigs are such a pain in the ass. They get sick all the time. They're very powerful. Sheep are really easy. Um, <laughs> anyway, long story short, uh, I, I had always, Realize if I didn't have to kill animals to, to live, then I wouldn't. And so for 17 years, that's what I did. I didn't kill any animals, and I didn't die. And so it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's actually pretty easy. The reason I went back is actually uh, I just told people I just wouldn't explain why I became why I started eating meat again. That that said, that doesn't mean I won't go vegetarian again at some point in the future. Um, it's it's really not that hard. Um, it's it's vegetarian you know i i didn't there was never any issue where i was like oh no i'm not eating the right food or everyone has that story about that vegetarian friend who's skin and bones no that wasn't me uh so yeah well well you know right now i'm eating meat who knows in the future maybe i won't um it's nice that we live in a time where you can you have that choice um and yeah whatever you want to do i guess it's fine unless it's people don't eat people that's my only please please don't do that don't eat people but everything else i you know i was all yeah i got i have a lot of weird uh uh (laughs) thoughts about uh what people eat and what they won't eat i'm like so you guys won't eat horses but you eat cows i'm like cows are way easier to deal with than horses you ever deal with a horse god they're such a pain (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, ah, what are you going to do with the horse after you're done riding it? you got to do something. <laughs> anyway, so now we're going to get a lot of hate well, mail I, about people who love horses. I, 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 uh, one of my classes, I, I learned how to train horses. So I've trained horses. I've ridden horses. I know a lot. I was on the horse judge team. So I know a lot ooh. about horses. Don't send me email or yell at me because I said people should be eating horses. Well, and the the other thing is now, you know, we, we, we have some, you know, if you if you actually like to eat meat, you know, you like the texture and the flavor and stuff, we're actually starting to get, you know, some real viable alternatives, you know, plant-based alternatives, you know, like Beyond beyond Meat and and uh, Impossible Foods and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, what's so, the deal with that? I'm vegetarian for like 17 years, and we have the same, like, Morning Star. Like, I just ate the nuggets because making chicken-flavored stuff is like a no-brainer. And then yeah. as soon as I stop being vegetarian, like, hey, look at all these cool new science we're doing with meats, with fake meat. I'm bad like, timing. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, you did it too. You just timed it I wrong. I did it backwards. Meat. I did it backwards. I should have should have just kept eating meat and then went vegetarian a few years ago. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, another one from Priyana Wu. Um, okay. You can get a great 997. That's a Porsche 911 built, I think it was uh, like 2004 or five till about 2012 for around forty-five dollars to $55,000. You have to spend a hundred thousand to one hundred and ten to get a good example of a nine nine seven turbo. Is it worth the extra? Mm. Is the nine nine seven the one that had that issue where the engine would explode unless you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it might have been the nine nine seven because my friend. Cause, so there was a nine nine seven, and there was an issue, and if you didn't fix the issue, the engine would explode. It'd be just, and you'd have to pay like fifteen thousand or twenty thousand dollars to fix this issue. But then once it was fixed, it was fine. But the people who still got it fixed, the market was still like really cheap. <laughs> it was really bad. Oh, like they geez. couldn't even though they. So I think it might have been the nine nine seven that had that. I, I think you're right. I think it was the nine nine seven. So was it worth spending you know double? For uh, a no. turbo? I don't think so. Not for double. No. Double is a lot. If it was a little A, it's a like, lot. And B, it's double. a Porsche. You don't, you're, a, you're not probably going that fast um, where yeah, you I live. Mean, if you're driving it on the street. It's st- and it still handles like a Porsche. Yeah. And, do, and you even, don't really, even the, do you really need the turbo, Brianna? Most of the time you're like the turbo. It's not like you're track driving it all the time. Or are you? I don't, I don't know. I think she does occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. I mean, she lives. has a lot of Porsches. Occasionally, so. like, oh, she lives in Boston. She's not even driving and, right and now because we've got, got two four, feet She's of already snow. got four four Porsches. Yeah, Brianna so has know. like a fleet of Porsches. Yeah. <laughs> she's a fleet. Can I come she's, visit Brianna? Can I? Brianna, visit Brianna's you kind of my hero. <laughs> to be to be completely you go, honest, you can go do a comparison test on the 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 power seat motor. There we go. I think that you're better. You're fine with the the non turbo version if you can afford it. If you can afford double, and that's what you really, really want, it's fine. But I think for for most people, I think the non the non uh, turbo version and is going to make like you the, so happy. It's not happy. like the non turbo nine eleven is slow. Right, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a really slouch. Yeah, you're not you're not buying a Yugo. It's just a non turbo nine nine seven. You're talking about zero oh. to sixty in three seconds versus four seconds. Yeah. Oh, that extra second. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh. it's pro- probably even you know the gap's probably even less than that. All right. Uh, Gupta AJ asks, do they make a th- uh, 35-inch road tires that can go on the F-150 Raptor? Don't really need to have trail running shoes for daily highway driving. So I took a look on Tire Rack uh, earlier today uh, to see what was out there. And there's not, there's not really a whole lot of choices um, you know, 
for that size of wheel and tire uh, for you know something like a Raptor that are a pure street tire. Pretty much everything That's in that huge. in yeah. that size, you know, is at least classed as an all-terrain tire. Now that said, there are you know. I was looking through, you know, the available stuff on tire rack, you know, and the, the standard size that's on the Raptor, it's a 17 inch wheel. Um, and it's, I think it's a 315, 70 or 75, um, tire. Um, and you know, there are a, a wide, they're all classed as all terrain, but there's a wide variety in there. There are some that are definitely more like a street tire than, you know, something you're going to go run Baja with. Um, and so, you know, I would, I would take a look at some of those, you know, there's, there's some, some good options there. You know, if you want something that, you know, probably is going to run a little more quietly on pavement, um, than, you know, than some of the standard tires that are on there. Um, if you do want something that is a true street tire, you know, what you're probably going to have to do is go to a different wheel size. Uh, I did find one, um, that uh michelin defender ltx uh it's uh i think what's the one oh if you put it on a 20 inch wheel um and uh it's a 35 inch uh, by 12 and a half uh on a 20 inch wheel so it's that it's the same rolling diameter uh but that it that's the only one i could find that is just a straight up highway tire that's not an all-terrain tire so that's pretty much your only option, at least that I could find. So either you spend like three grand on new wheels and tires. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to listen to this all the time. <laughs> and then have to change or, your tires out or, every or, or, like Or you're just going to be what's better to suited to driving on the street. Yeah. 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 There's just the big, it's, yeah. I see people driving around with their giant, you know, off-road tires. I'm like, oh, those will last about. I don't know, eight months. Good luck An with that. An hour and a half. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's why you don't know. Uh, you know what? You'll figure it out. You'll figure it yeah. out. And then you see You're them later learn on. You're the hard way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last one uh, from Obscuriosity. Um, how like favorable do you think yeah, the ID name. Buzz will compare with the Korean EV twins, the Ionic 5 and EV6? I'm worried that VW's nostalgia tax will price it out of my consideration. I'm also scared VW will botch the entertainment system. <laughs> <laughs> Those are both very legitimate concerns. Those are valid concerns. Yes. Yeah. I think... I, well, they, are they doing anything new with your infotainment? Is it going to be better than... Are they, are they fixing that? It's, I mean, it's they've, not, done, they've done updates to the, the, the ID4. And from what yeah. I've heard, it has gotten better. Okay. Like better enough that it's, it's decent to run? All it has to do is... I haven't tried the updated okay. versions yet. But all it has to do is work. Yeah, it, that's really what it. Does it just function? Have to get now? Rid of, yeah. You have to get rid of the latency. And I know they did the ID three updates in Europe a few months ago, so I guess the ID four has finally gotten an update. I haven't, I haven't like kept track of it. But all they have to do is make the infotainment system work. And if for the ID buzz, that means just upgrading the processor, and you know they're going to show it off in March, and hopefully by the time it hits the market, they'll have fixed everything. So all the issues, because now we're talking about the ID four. And the ID three, it's over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. That the vehicles have been yeah. on the road. So but, at but some point, so you get two years. You get two years to fix yeah. the, 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 the latency issue. It's it's going to be about at least a year before the ID Buzz is on sale here in North America, anyway. Uh, so some sometime early next year, I think. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to launch here. Yeah, uh, you know, the the other you know the other thing to keep in mind is that you know this is 
while it's electric like the the, the Hyundai's, you know, it's a very different kind of vehicle. So I don't know how much how much people are actually going to cross shop the two. Um, it's I, I'm I'm still excited, um, yeah. but you know, just because it, it's if it looks correct. If they don't, there's there's been some there's been a few leaked where it kind of looks eh, and then there's a few leaks that makes it look cool, and it's like I don't even know. I'm just going to wait till March 9th. Because half the leaks are like, uh, and then at some point they were putting it on the old, the uh, the current van. They're throwing the 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 power the the, the powertrain and the drivetrain into an old van. And into so a T6 like, or then, T7, yeah, like. yeah. And oh, then wow. people were like, oh look, this is the ID Buzz. I'm like, no, it's not. It's like a test vehicle. It's just it's a like mule. When, yeah. yeah, it's just a mule. It's like when people are throwing, uh, who did it? Someone put something on top, uh, a Silverado on top of their stuff. At one point, and yeah, I mean, like, every manufacturer does this. They they test new components in the current generation vehicles before they get around to building proper you know, integration yeah. prototypes that have you know, mm-hmm. all the correct bodywork and everything. So hopefully uh, they don't they don't design the fun out of it, and the infotainment system doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I mean, not even the infotainment. Again, it's just the latency. It's just so. It just wants you to. It and, makes you punch they, it. They, they are doing a pop-up camper version of it. I, I've That'll heard cool. that they're not going to bring that to, to North America. Ooh, um, oh, dang it! They'll probably call it the ID Buzz California yeah. or whatever the ID whatever, and it won't come to California. But they'll let us drive it and tell you all about it. Yeah, they'll they'll so bring you, they'll bring one to California and they'll let Jason Torchinsky review it and do a video a great video review for for Jalopnik and that that'll be the last we ever hear of it. Yeah, I got I go got to invited Europe. to drive the ID the the California. Yeah, they invited me to go, and my my bosses were like, "No." We're like, "Is it going to be available here?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "Well, then no." But but it's going to be cool, and they're like, mm. "It'll get lots of views." <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I I probably should just say it's going to get lots of views. They're like, "Yeah, but it's not going to be here." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> but, but but page views. I know. I as well. Sometimes you just gotta you know. I guess page views isn't the answer to everything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it. I, I don't. I don't think the ID Buzz is going to be inexpensive. You know, it, it's probably, it's probably going to start close to fifty grand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll it'll have the nostalgia tax. Um, but um, you know, I I I think it's it should be a pretty pretty good vehicle. I mean, aside I from the, the infotainment system, if they fix the infotainment system, then it, it'll probably be great. I hope that then when they when when you drive it, the internal sound is just a recreation of that uh, that Volkswagen motor sound. Those the air cooled four, four, the air yeah, cool boxer, the air cooled boxer. That weird. I can't even make the sound, but you, we all know it. We've all been yeah. in a, a Volkswagen Beetle or in a in a. Well, uh, I mean that, that's the bus. beauty. You can you can do that electronically. Yeah, yeah. You can program you, you it like, to sound like whatever true. you want. Yeah. You can make, you can make it sound like an air-cooled boxer or a 997 turbo or... Or a 997 non-turbo, just whatever you want. But I, I kind of hope they kind of do that. If, if someone from Volkswagen is listening, just do Just make it on there. Put Take take three people, set them make aside it a downloadable for a option. Yeah, you could download, like, oh, I paid $10 so I can make my car sound like this. It's Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll, here's my $10. Here's my credit card, Volkswagen. <laughs> All right, that's all we've got for this week. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, sending in your questions and for continuing to listen. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, 
and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.